This morning, I am super excited because we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Believe the Miracle of Christmas. And uh, we're going to begin really a spiritual journey together today. And over the next four weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve Eve service, I guess is what that will be, December 23rd, uh, for the next four weeks, uh, we're going to really be taking a journey of faith through the story of Christmas. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of unpackage from different elements of the Christmas story, some amazing truths from Scripture that I really believe are going to compel us and drive us to a place of greater faith and greater passion and greater belief, belief in the God that we serve. Amen? And we're going to really grab hold of some awesome stuff because we're going to see today there are some awesome things that happen when you believe in the miracle of Christmas. So let's look together in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And in just in a few minutes, we're going to read out of Luke chapter 1. And we're going to kind of get two excerpts today uh, from the story of Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says this. It says, And this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And I put in parentheses there Isaiah 7, 14, because uh, the prophecy that he's speaking of there is directly out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. And the prophecy of the virgin conceiving and having a child was made 700 years before Jesus was born. So let's look at the next verse. And it says, And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So let's look at that first point on your outline. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, I just want to say this real quick. All of a sudden, when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we set the precedence for some amazing things. How many of you understand that when you believe in some things, you've got to believe in some other things? And when you believe in the miracle of Christmas, all of a sudden it sets a precedence in your heart and your life that there are some things you have to believe in. If you say that you're here today, and many of us in this room today are here as Christians, some of you are here today, and maybe you're checking out the Christian faith, and maybe many of you are watching online today, and you're like trying to figure out who this man Jesus is really all about. But whether you're a believer or whether you're experiencing or checking out who Jesus is, here's a reality. When you believe in the miracle and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the miracle of Christmas that Mary, a virgin, had a child and his name was Jesus and he was the Son of God, automatically when you believe that, that sets a precedence for some things in your life. And over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at four of those specific things that you have to believe if you say you believe in the message and the miracle 
of Jesus Christ, right? So if you say you believe in the miracle and message of Jesus, then there are some specific things that you and I have to believe in light of that revelation, amen? So let me just go ahead and just kind of prime the pump a little bit this morning. Let me go ahead and ask a really bold, kind of courageous question. You can raise your hand. How many of you actually believe this morning in the miracle of Christmas? Anybody believe Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. A good-looking group in here. Hope you're raising your hand online. And uh, But here's the reality today. If you really believe that, then guess what? Here's something else you got to believe. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that the impossible is possible. We have to believe that the impossible is possible. You cannot believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that the impossible is possible. You have to believe in that. Why? Because you can't believe in the miracle of Christmas and not believe that the impossible is possible with God. Amen? So look with me in Luke chapter 1. I want to read this to you. And we're going to come back and talk about that statement in just a second. So Luke chapter 1 verse 34 through 38, just another excerpt of the Christmas story. Uh, Matthew dealt with Joseph's encounter with the angel. Luke deals with Mary's encounter with an angel. Look what it says. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So let's go back to that last point. We have to believe that the impossible is possible, right? When you believe in the miracle of Christmas, you have to believe that the impossible is possible. Now, we looked at Isaiah 7, 14. I kind of highlighted it there, right? A prophecy out of the book of Isaiah. Uh, what you may or may not know that in the Old Testament, there are over 300 references to Jesus as the Messiah, over 300 references. But there are specifically 61 prophecies that are specific prophecies about the Messiah who we know is Jesus. And one of those prophecies was in Isaiah 7 that we just read that a virgin would conceive and have a child. Another prophecy is about the town that he would be born in and how that Bethlehem would be a significant element in the end story that God would play in birthing his son into existence. And literally there are 61 prophecies that prophesy specific details about the Messiah, about who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would be and what he would do. Now, I'm not a mathematician by any means, but praise God for Google, right? And so I Googled some information and I found out from some really smart people, some mathematicians, I wanted to know what's the probability, what is the mathematical probability that one man could fulfill 61 prophecies. And, and the reality is simply this, of those 61 prophecies, most of those prophecies or all of those prophecies were made at least 500 years up to 1,500 years before Jesus was even born. 500 to 1,500 years before he was born, all these prophecies were made. And then here comes Jesus, who is born of a virgin and fulfills 61 specific prophecies, over 300 references to him, but 61 specific prophecies that he fulfills. So here's the mathematical probability of that. The mathematical probability, really, number one, mathematicians say it is mathematically impossible. But it's hard to get a mathematician to say something's really impossible, so they put a number on it. So here's the number. 
The chance of one person fulfilling 61 specific prophecies is a chance of one in a trillion times 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 a trillion. So I think that is one in a 13 to the 13th power probability that one man could fulfill 61 prophecies, not to mention the fact that they were spoken 500 to 1,500 years before he was born. So the fact that Jesus is, and we actually believe in the miracle of Christmas, means that you are believing in something that is really mathematically impossible. The odds of that happening, let me give you another illustration I read online that I thought was really good. If you were to cover the entire earth with silver dollars and stack them 120 foot tall, cover the entire earth with silver dollars, stack them 120 foot tall, on one of those silver dollars put an X. Mix it in those silver dollars that are 120 foot deep covering the face of the entire earth and then you were to walk up and randomly stick your hand in there and pull one out. The odds of you pulling out the silver dollar with the X is the odds of one man fulfilling, that wasn't 61 prophecies, that was 8 prophecies. The reality is if you believe in the miracle of Jesus, you believe in something that is really mathematically impossible. But it's true. Because with God, all things are possible. Now let's talk about another impossibility, right? There's a great little word in the Christmas story. The Bible says that Mary was a what? That's an awesome word. Mary was a virgin. And the virgin conceived a child by the Holy Spirit and didn't just have a baby. She actually had the Son of God. How many of you know that it is physically medically, scientifically, quote, impossible for a virgin to have a child. Right? We have amazing things called artificial insemination and all these crazy things today, but the reality is that it is impossible for a virgin to have a child. Imagine if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I just want you to know I'm pregnant and I'm a virgin. You'd say, oh, yeah, right. But that's exactly what happened with Jesus. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, then you believe that a virgin was impregnated by the Holy Spirit and gave birth not just to a man, but to the Son of God, wrapped in flesh, fully divine and fully human. That's what you believe in. Well, that's a pretty big belief. Yes, it is. And it's that belief that has shaped and fashioned and changed the world. It's that belief in the virgin birth and the life and death of, of Jesus Christ that has literally changed the world in which we're living in. And why do I say all that? I say all that to simply say this. If you believe in the miracle of Christmas, then you have to believe that impossible things are possible. You have to. Why? Because you can't believe in it unless you believe impossible things are possible. Not to mention the fact that that Mary and Joseph both had, both had angelic visitations, right? I'm 47, I think, years old. And I've never had one angelic visitation. I'm kind of jealous. But they did. 
So an angel from God spoke to Mary and an angel from God spoke to Joseph and a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit and didn't just have a baby, she had the Son of God and God himself wrapped himself in flesh, put himself in the wound of a virgin and was birthed out into the planet in a manger on the first Christmas morning, ultimately would die 33 and a half years later, offer his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world and you say you don't believe in the impossible. You have to. You have to believe in the impossible if you believe in the miracle of Christmas. Now, why is this important? Because I want you to see. Look at that next point on your outline. This is important because the world, our flesh, and the devil really work so hard. Work so hard in trying to keep us from believing in or believing for the impossible. The world around us, our flesh within us, and the devil who is against us work overtime trying to talk us out of the idea that we can believe in or believe for the impossible. I mean, think about it. Our world is so messed up. Think about it. You know, when, when you look at man, Facebook and all these crazy things, we live in a crazy world of technology, right? And there are some amazing stories out there, right? Don't y'all like those stories? I, I love those stories of, of those impossible things, right? I love those stories, right? People that have overcome the odds. People that came back from the impossible. People that shouldn't have made it and they made it. People that shouldn't have lived and they lived. People that should have been dead and they're now alive. I love those stories. Don't you love those stories? And you know what's amazing about those stories is our world through social media will celebrate them. But at the same time, they'll say the impossible is possible but not for you. The world will celebrate the impossible until it's you. And if you don't believe me, let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a vision? Have you ever had an idea that you thought was from God and it was crazy and it was impossible and it was really big and you shared it with somebody and you know what they did? They laughed. <laughs> they told you that'll never happen. You can't do that. The same people that'll share, like, and post that impossible video on Facebook are the same people that'll look at you and say, you can't do that. That'll never happen for you. That's never happened in our family. Nobody we know has ever done that. The same people that'll like it and share it and post it and say, oh, did you see that video? It was so wonderful. It was so awesome. It was impossible. And then you say, oh, yeah, I got an impossible dream. Oh, no, not you. You can't do that. Our family doesn't do that. You don't have an education. You don't have enough money. You don't know the right people. Isn't it crazy how our world works? It works just like that. We'll celebrate the impossible until it's us. And then think about ourselves. I mean, let's just be honest. Worse than the world is our own minds. You get a God dream. You get a vision. You get an idea of something great, something grand, something impossible. And you know what will happen? You will logically and reasonably talk yourself out of your own miracle. I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I'm sad to say I've talked myself out of a lot of miracles. I've taught myself out of a lot of things. Why? Because all of a sudden, you, you get this big idea. You start believing God. You start trusting God. You get this vision for greatness and grandness. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, how am I going to do that? I've never done that before. I don't know if I know anybody that's ever done that. Maybe I can't do that. Maybe that can't be done. Maybe that's too hard. And how many times have we talked ourselves out? How many times have we reasoned and logiced our way right out of 
the impossible that God wants to do in our lives. Proverbs chapter, chapter 3 says this, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because, let me just say, it's not that we don't need reason and it's not that we don't need logic. We need reason and we need logic. Those are good things and those are both gifts from God. But here's the challenge. When your reason and your logic stands in contradiction to what God says He wants to do in your life, you've got to check your reason and your logic at the door and you've got to let God's promise and God's Word and God's Spirit trump what you logically and rationally think is possible. Because the fact that you believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he was born of a virgin, means that you automatically believe in something that is mathematically, scientifically, medically, and physically impossible, but you believe it. About Jesus, why don't you believe it about you? Why don't you believe the same God that did the impossible to birth his son is the same God that can do the impossible to work in your life, to heal your family? To deliver you from bondage. To save your loved one. To break the chains. To overcome the sickness. To overturn the diagnosis. See the reality is, is the world, the flesh, and now here's the devil. The devil comes in and he takes kind of a unique route, a route in this aspect of unbelief. And undermining the impossible. The world will tell us it's possible but not for you. Our own minds will logically and rationally talk ourselves out of the impossible. But then the devil comes in and the devil kind of twists it just a little bit. The devil will let you see somebody, you're battling sickness and somebody else is battling sickness and they get healed. And the devil will say, man, ain't that great they got healed? And you'll say, man, that's awesome they got healed. And then he'll say, well, they got healed and you didn't get healed so there must be something wrong with you. They got a breakthrough, and you didn't get a breakthrough, so there must be something wrong with you. They got out of debt in six months. You ain't got out of debt in six years. There must be something wrong with you. They're happy. You ain't been happy. There must be something wrong with you. God must love them more than he loves you. God must care about them more than he cares about you. And all of a sudden, the devil not only sows seeds of unbelief, but he begins to bring accusation and condemnation and guilt and shame against you and tries to get you to disqualify yourself because there must be something wrong with me, because if God did that for you, but yet God's not doing that for me, then there must be something wrong with me that's disqualifying me from receiving what God wants to do. And all of those things, the world, our own flesh, and the devil, the world that's around us, our own thoughts that are within us, and the devil who's against us will all work together if we're not careful to rob us and keep us from believing in and believing for the impossible. And all of a sudden, we just start lowering the standard of what we are believing God for. I mean, think about it. how many times in your, life, in your life have you been believing God for this? And then a week went by, and you started believing God for this. And then a month went by, and you started believing God for this. And then a year went by, and you started believing God for this. And then three years went by, and you're like, I don't even know if I'm believing for that anymore. How many times do we lower the standard? How many times do we raise our expect, do we lower our expectation of faith based on the fact that we are not yet seeing the things we want to see and the way we want to see them in the time frame that we expected them to be done? I want you to look at this next point, and then we're going to read another scripture out of Romans 12, Romans 4. The world tells us all the time, right? The world says, don't get your hopes up because we don't want you to be let down. 
You know, just don't get your hopes up. Whatever you do, I, I know you're excited. I know you're praying for a healing. I know you're praying for your marriage. I know you're praying for finances. I know you're praying for your family. But, you know, don't get your hopes up. And the only reason I tell you that is I just don't want you to be disappointed. I don't want you to get let down. And how many times does the world do that? How many times have we even said that to people that we love? Well, you know, just, just don't get your hopes up too high. Just, 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 I know you're believing for great things, but you know, that's never really happened. And they say there's no cure. And you know, most marriages end in divorce anyway. I don't know why you think your marriage should be different. So don't get your hopes up real high. Because if you get your hopes up, you're just going to be disappointed. If you get your hopes up, you're just going to be let down. And so I love you so much that I'm going to tell you not to get your hopes up because I don't want you to be let down. That's what the world says. And it's really cunning and it's really deceiving. And what's really crazy is that the people that tell you not to get your hopes up really do love you. And they really do care about you. And most of the time they don't have a hidden agenda where they're trying to keep you in bondage. They're just ignorant of how God works. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is the victory that overcomes this world. See, the world says don't get your hopes up. You know what God says? God says get your hopes up. Why? Because I don't want you to stay down. The world says don't get your hopes up because we don't want you to be let down. God says get your hopes up because I don't want you to stay down. Let me tell you the worst thing that can happen to you is you to lose your hope. The word hope literally means in its simplest form an expectation of good. When you stop expecting good things to happen in your life, when you stop expecting God to show up and show out in your life, you've lost your hope. And there's nothing more miserable and there's nothing more sad and there's nothing more damaging and there's nothing more imprisoning than a hopeless heart. Because when you lose your hope that anything can change, when you lose your hope that anything could ever get better, when you lose your hope that something could ever turn around in your life, you are dooming yourself to a place of unbelief and failure and prison and in bondagement. Why? Because without hope, there is no life. And the world says, don't get your hope up. God says, I want you to get your hope up because I don't want you to stay down. Let's look in Romans chapter 4. It says, that is what the scripture means when God told him, speaking of Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. How many know that when you believe in the God of the Bible, you actually get to believe in a God that brings dead things back to life and creates new things out of nothing? God creates new things out of nothing. Right? It's kind of like the story of the scientists that came to God one day and they said, hey God, we've come to a point where we're so scientifically advanced we think we can do what you did. God said, okay, let's have a contest. They said, great. God said, what do you want to do? They said, why don't we create man? God said, that'll be wonderful. Let's do it. So they got together and all of a sudden God began to scoop up some dirt from the ground and the scientists came over there beside him. They started scooping up some dirt. God said, hey, what are you doing? They said, we're going to make man just like you made man. God said, hang on. First of all, you got to get your own dirt. That's my dirt. God can make something out of nothing. 
God can say, let there be, and there will be. And the Bible says that's the God that Abraham believed in, and that's the God that we believe in. That's the God of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas is the miracle of a God that can do the impossible. And look what the Bible goes on to say about Abraham. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Now, God made that promise to Abraham when he was 75 years old. We're going to find out that Abraham was 100 years old before Isaac was born. 25 years went by. Look at the next verse. Verse 19. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's wound. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, look at this next part. His faith grew stronger. 25 years later, he didn't get weaker in faith. He got stronger in faith. He just kept on believing and he just kept on believing and he just kept on believing. Well, Pastor Keith, it's been a week. Keep on believing. It's been a month. Keep on believing. It's been a year. Keep on believing. It's been 10 years. Keep on believing. It's been 20 years. Keep on believing. It's been 25 years. Keep on believing. It's been 30 years. Keep on believing. Why? Because it's better to die in faith than to live in fear. It's better to die in faith. I'd rather die believing God in faith than live one day in fear. Dr. Force Van Zandt came up to me after the last service and he said, you know, as you were preaching, he said, the Lord reminded me, I had two grandmothers, he said, that prayed and believed for a preacher in our family. He said, they both died before I was ever called into the ministry he said but now I'm preaching the gospel as a result of their prayers and their prayers prevailed their faith lived on beyond them because they died in faith believing God and he's standing right there in the back he just walked in the door y'all turn around and give force a great big round of applause that was some holy ghost timing right there for Else you heard your name and you're like, hey, he's talking about me. I better get in there. <laughs> hey, the reality is is you may not see it, but it doesn't mean it won't happen. His grandmas didn't see it, but there he is. Why? Because God's the God of the impossible. And we believe in a God who can bring the dead to life and who can create something new out of nothing at all. And the Bible says of Abraham that his faith grew stronger. And look what that last part of verse 20 says. And in this he brought glory to God. He glorified God. You know why he glorified God? Because he kept on believing. See, the devil will beat you up and the devil will say, you've been believing for three years and nothing's happened. There must be something wrong with you. God says, you've been believing for three years. I'm so proud of you. People would say, well, I feel like I'm letting God down because nothing's happening. God says, you're not letting me down. You're bringing me greater glory because you refuse to give in and you refuse to quit and you refuse to compromise the integrity of who I am and what I have said just because you don't see what you want when you want it. And he brought him greater glory, the Bible says. Look at verse 21. And, when, and, and he was fully convinced that God is able 
He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. God's able to do whatever He promises. So look at this last point. I want to wrap it up with this. So when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that the impossible is possible. So here's a million dollar question today. What are you believing for? What are you really believing for today? Are you believing for the impossible? Or have you done like I've done in the past? I started out believing for this. God, I'm believing for the impossible. I'm believing for you to do what only you can do. And then a week went by and a month went by and a year went by. And I thought, well, you know, God, maybe, maybe here. See, what happens is we start believing, God, what? I'm going to believe you're going to heal me. And then, then we go down from, God, you're going to heal me, to God, I'm just going to believe you're going to give me strength. And then, Lord, I just believe you're going to take care of my family. And then, Lord, I believe you're going to watch out for my kids. And we just keep lowering it. God, you're going to restore my marriage. God, at least let us get along. Let us have a peaceful divorce. Lord, watch out for my kids. Lord, I need financial breakthrough. I need you to show up here. God, if we can just pay the bills. God, if they can just keep the lights on. God, if you can help me through bankruptcy. Y'all see what happens? We allow time to rob us of faith. And here's a lie the devil tells us, and we're going to expose this lie today. Here's a lie the devil tells us. How many times have you had this little thought, well, if I just had more faith, or if I just had enough faith, if I just had more faith, or if I just had enough faith, I know that something would change. If I just had enough faith, I know that my, my body would be healed. I know my family would be healed. I know that this would happen. And now, if I just had enough faith, Lord, give me more faith. God, please, just give me more faith. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask it to you again. How many of you can honestly say, Pastor Keith, I believe Jesus Christ, the one prophesied of 61 times, was the one that was born of a virgin in a manger. And I believe that he is not only a man, he is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the savior of the world. I believe he was born and I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And I believe he is my way to heaven. I really believe that. I want you to raise your hand. Let me tell you something. You put your hands down. If you genuinely believe that, then let me tell you what. You've got enough faith. You've got enough faith. There is nothing you can believe God for that's greater than what you just said you believe in. You believe in something that's mathematically impossible. You believe in something that's scientifically impossible. You believe in something that's medically impossible. You believe in something that's naturally impossible. Now tell me anything that you're believing for that could somehow surpass the sovereignty and the impossibility of what Christmas is all about. There's nothing greater that you can believe in than the message of Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you today, you have enough faith. You don't need more faith. You've got enough faith. You believe in the message of the gospel. You believe in the miracle of Christmas. You have faith for the impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. And you have enough faith. Here's the challenge. You just got to activate your faith. You got to start believing again. See, it's not, I want you to hear this. It's not that we stop believing. We just stop believing. 
Y'all get that? It's not that we stop believing. We just stop believing. We stop believing for the impossible. We stop believing for the miracle. We stop believing for God to do what we know in our hearts we heard God say He was going to do. But time and challenges and difficulties and problems have risen up and risen up and risen up and we've stopped looking at the God that can do anything and we've started looking at the obstacles that are standing in front of us. I want to promise you today, if Joseph and Mary would have looked fully and completely at the reality of their flesh, they would have said it's impossible. But they gazed their eyes on the one who was promising and they said, you know what, I believe God is able to do everything that he said he could do and that's what God wants to do today what are you believing for let's raise the bar again let's stop just believing to get by let's stop just believing to endure another day let's stop just believing not to get divorced let's stop just believing to keep the lights on Let's stop just believing for enough help to get through one more week. Let's start believing for the impossible. Let's start believing that everything God said God can do and God is not a man that he should lie and it is impossible for God to lie. Let's start believing again. So I want you to do something today. Let's just bow our heads. And I want you to go ahead and just begin to fix your mind on what you're going to start believing God for today. Let's raise the bar of our faith today. Let's activate our faith. You have enough faith. You have more than enough faith. You don't need more faith. You need to use the faith that God has given you because if you really believe in the miracle of Christmas, then you have to believe that nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible so I want you to go ahead and just sit, set your mind right now on that thing. And I want you to go ahead and begin to, just begin to tell God, Lord, I'm believing for the impossible. God, I'm believing for the impossible. Maybe it's dusting off an old prayer that you used to pray. Maybe it's setting your sights on a vision that you used to set your sights on. Maybe it's trusting God for something you hadn't trusted God for in a long, long time. But today, you're going to believe God for the impossible. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Keith? I've never fully believed in the message of the miracle of Christmas. I've never really trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But you know what? I believe today. And I don't believe because it mathematically or scientifically or medically makes sense. I believe because in my heart of hearts right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And right now, God is revealing Himself to you. God is revealing Himself to you. The same Spirit that conceived Christ in the wound of the Virgin Mary is the same Spirit that is trying to conceive Christ in your heart today. To bring you to a place of a brand new beginning in Christ where you trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you're here this morning right now and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and you know in your heart of hearts you've never truly believed in and accepted and followed Jesus Christ. And you want to do that today. You want to accept the miracle of Christmas 
as your personal gift and trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. The only way to heaven, the only way to be forgiven, the only way to have life. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed today, I want to ask you to do something, and I say it every week, something very simple, but something very bold. I want to ask you just to stand to your feet as a simple act of faith. Today, I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to receive that gift, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. Right now on the inside, you know, hey, God's talking to you. God's talking to you. And if you've never made that decision, I want you just to stand to your feet. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is an action. It's not a thought. It's not an idea. It's something that moves us to action. And if you want to be moved today by faith, I want you just to stand and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Right now, as people stand to their feet, our ushers are going to come. If you're standing, we're just going to slip a little packet in your hand, and we're about to pray a prayer together. But I want to congratulate you on taking that step. I want to congratulate you and let you know that God loves you and Jesus died for you. And you don't ever have to walk through life alone. Amen. There's a brand new day in Christ this morning. And as these are standing right now, I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds and we're going to pray a very simple prayer together. But today we're going to receive the miracle of Christmas, the gift of life, the forgiveness of sins. If you want to pray that prayer with these that are standing, go ahead and stand to your feet right now. Go ahead and stand to your feet right now. The miracle of Christmas. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. As people are standing right now. If you're standing, I want you to say this prayer with me. If you're seated, I want you to say it with me also. Let's pray it together out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe in the miracle of Christmas. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. Your spirit, your love, and your life within me. I commit today to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Congratulations.